I believe that every athlete in the world is creative. Just look around. And so if I really want to connect and to a happy place, I listen to some of the music that was on, we call it pirate radio station. Float like my jumper wet, sting like a bumblebee, I swing like a lumberjack, go back when I'm up at bat. Uh, when you are in the locker room uh, in every team in Mexico, pick that song to motivate and increase the energy. No juice. Hey, this is Casey Duna. And this is Peter Duna. And welcome to the Athletes Playlist, where we ask your favorite athletes about their favorite music. Our guest today is Seattle Rain forward Jasmine Spencer. Jasmine's a veteran of the National Women's Soccer League. And in addition to playing here in the States, she's played in Denmark, Cyprus, and Australia. She also founded her own apparel company, Jazz It Up, which is committed to sustainability and inspiring people to live eco-conscious lives. We're stoked she's playing here in Seattle these days, and even more stoked she's joining us for the podcast. So thanks for coming, Jasmine. How's it going? Yeah, I'm, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah, absolutely. As a reminder to listeners, we like to highlight a few songs that have been meaningful to our guests in various times of their lives. We're going to kick off today's episode with the Space Jam theme song by Quad City DJs. That was Space Jam theme song by Quad City DJs. I think every kid that grew up in the 90s and liked sports worshipped the Space Jam movie. I know I watched it countless times. Did this movie help inspire you to pursue sports? Yeah, absolutely. I was like such a typical 90s kid. I was like outside playing with all my neighborhood friends, every sport. Uh, so naturally, I loved every sports movie. I mean, we had classics back then, right? Like Mighty Ducks and Sandlot. And yeah, I think I chose a Space Jam theme song because... I mean, it just summed it all up in one in one song, you know? Yeah, and it's not just it's not just a nineties movie, but it's a nineties song. Like you hear the the drum style, like the sort of R and B style from that time specifically mixed with the rapping. I mean, it hits it right in the middle. I feel like it's an iconic, iconic track. Um, you mentioned playing backyard, you know, sports growing up. I know your two brothers played older soccer. Did that help get you some toughness? I know for me, he was always beating up on me in the backyard. So, I, you know, it can be not fun at the yeah. time, but helpful. Five-year age gap was really helpful for me. <laughs> <laughs> just just old enough that there was no chance. Of, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely you guys nailed it. I think 
having them, uh, you know, kind of beat up on me a little bit, but then also like when we go to the park, always pick me on their team. It, mm. it, it gave me confidence to know that, yeah, like I can go play with these guys no matter how bigger, how much bigger they are. And, and also just like make me tough, you know, like I'm going to get knocked around. I'm, I'm not going to be as good as them, but, but I'm just going to be able to fight through that. Yeah. And going back to space jam, um, my favorite character actually wasn't Michael Jordan. It was Muggsy Bogue because I was a small child and seeing the small monster, I just was like cheering him on left and right the whole movie. <laughs> and for listeners who may not know, uh, you're 5'1", which is a bit on the shorter side for a soccer player. And so, I mean, playing sports, like were you typically the smallest on the team? And like, was that something you battled through as a player? How did that shake out? Yeah, always the smallest. Um I think my family in general is pretty small though. My parents aren't the tallest of people. Um, my roommate, Michelle Betos, she she actually is the tallest person whenever my family comes to visit the apartment. So <laughs> um, it's including kind of, the brothers. Yes, yeah. including my brothers. So um, we're all pretty small in stature, but I think, you know, uh, I've always been small, so I don't know any different. You know, I, yeah. I, I forget how small I am. Um, and I think people forget how small I am because I try and carry myself bigger and until they uh see me up close they're like oh my goodness we didn't realize I'm like yeah me neither sometimes I forget <laughs> that's a good attitude to have I mean yeah I've, I've seen you play you know back at the old memorial and I didn't realize you were 5'1 until I read it so I think that's coming through for sure you also said you played every sport we sort of tried to play a lot of sports growing up but I know basketball going back to space jams the height was a deterrent so at what age did you did what, did you hit a point where you like this one might not be the sport for me? <laughs> uh, yes, I definitely peaked in basketball at fifth grade. Uh, I think I nice. made like one AAU tryout, which is like the the travel elite uh, league out here in New York. Um, and that was like it, that was fulfilling to me. Like I did it. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, I'm going to transition. Um, and then I, I ran track and played lacrosse in high school. Um, nice. and I danced a little bit competitively. So I just had like a little bit of everything to, to round me out and make me a, a good athlete. Yeah, no doubt. Getting those different, that seems like something that we miss nowadays because people specialize really early on, but I think doing the different things in the cross training can really help. You did mention dancing, which brings me to, I know Maryland, I think you were involved in music as well. So I imagine that started earlier for you. Did you play instruments growing up? I did. I played the flute, um, which is so funny because I was just having this conversation. I think we were like, my family and I were watching Drumline the other night and Ooh, classic. another classic. And I was like, of all the instruments, like, why did I pick the flute? Like, I don't know. But yeah, I, I did that in high school and, and the marching band. And I took some music classes and dance classes when I was at Maryland. Um, I love music, um, as, as we all do, obviously, on this yeah. podcast. But yeah, it was great. Well, you know, with flute, it helps with the lung training. So there you go. That's I, my true. favorite. My favorite. <laughs> band, I was a band nerd, and they had the shirt that said uh, "Flute Domination Through Hyperventilation." <laughs> and for those who don't know, it takes the most air to play flute more than a tuba. So you know, it's good lung training. For sure, for sure. <laughs> and uh, so I talked about how you got into sports, and then you know we're doing our Wikipedia research, and uh, as you're 
youth career progressed, you ended up playing on a really elite club team, three state championships, and played with Vicky DiMartino, who also went pro. So how do you go from, you know, playing in the park like you talked about to, you know, playing on the best team in New York State? Yeah, uh, I actually played against uh, the, like, B team to that team that I wound up on. And we used to have, like, the Wallbounds Cup, which was, like, a big tournament uh, for all the youth uh, clubs in the state. And it was separated by age groups. And I was on, like, my dad was a coach. It was, like, not an elite level by any means. But we wound up getting to the championship game against this elite level club, and we won. And uh, the coach of that team was actually the wife of the team I wound up on. And she was like, you got to get this girl. You got to get this girl. And, nice. and I remember, I think I went to a, a, one of the summer camps uh, that the coach owned. And he was like, come out to my team. And, you know, I'm so proud. I was like, I don't want to play for your team. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, got everything I need right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I think when I turned about 14, I was like, okay, like, I really want to try and play in college. So I need to get on one of these elite club teams. Yeah. And so that's how the connection came. And what was, was that Long Island based too, or was, did you have to travel into the city or how did that all work? Yeah, it was Long Island based. Um, and that club, uh, actually had the best girls in the state. So we had, we had girls coming down from, I should say our region, obviously, because upstate New York has, its own region for soccer okay. but um yeah. we had girls yeah in the hudson valley westchester like north of the city who would come two hours to train um because you know that's how dominant our club was at the time and it was good that, yeah i mean i know i had a buddy from college i think he played like for manhattan kickers i don't know if you that's my only like connection to new york but i i do know that in general, New York City soccer isn't anything to laugh at. They take it pretty serious over there. So I guess what was the culture like on that team where you're drawing from all over the city? Super competitive? Was it fun? Did you meet people you may have not met otherwise? Things like that? Yeah, I think, you know, it was like definitely a family environment. If you played for the club, whether on the girls or the boys side, you knew the players, you knew the coaches. They were they were club events. Um which I think was like really comforting for me because you, yeah, you, you were meeting people from all over the island, all over the city, like, um, and we're all coming from different backgrounds. And so yeah. to be anchored in like the same core values was really cool, especially at a young age. Um, so I really enjoyed that. And then I think, you know, just wearing, we're Albertson. So just wearing the Albertson crest, like again, both on the girls and the boys side, uh, you knew that you were supposed to be, a dominant, mm. a dominant team every time you stepped out. And so that was kind of really cool. And just like building confidence and, and, you know, that extra edge uh, to go out there and just like kill it on the field again from a young age. Well, that's a great transition because I don't think we'll have time to play it in this episode, but you also listed Jim Jones, We Fly High, which is ultimate hype track, also a New York rapper. Was that connected in any way to that experience? Yeah, absolutely. Our club team and even my high school team, like when that song came out, like everybody had it on their pregame pump up list. Like yeah. it didn't matter what sport you played, you were pumping Jim Jones like before every game. Uh, it was like you said, the hype is song. No doubt. Okay, so last sports question for this section. 
So you also ran track, which you alluded to, and I believe you made it to nationals. Obviously very impressive. So in the youth soccer scene, obviously in any soccer, being fast, that's an elite weapon. But sometimes I feel like for youth, it can also be a a little hindrance if you're so dominant with your speed where you're not um, advancing technically because you don't have to necessarily. So I was wondering if that was something that because you were so fast, you ever had to make a specific point of working on either as a youth player or as you advance through the ranks. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that's a great point and, and something that's not really emphasized enough in the youth game today. Like a lot of times people recruit based off of athleticism because you yeah. can get away with it from a young age, but then, yeah, you don't get to hone in on your craft. I think um, for me, that transition happened younger, thankfully. Um, when I went to that elite club, my coach, uh, who at the time was actually Paul Riley, who now coaches North Carolina courage, you know, he, uh, he was adamant that I also develop a technical (laughs) skill of the game. Um, and that helped me, you know, to be able to perform, uh, at the top level in the ACC in college and then beyond. Um, so I think it was really important that I had that experience transitioning into the more technical side of the game at, from a young age. Um, and I hope that, uh, more and more coaches continue to emphasize that in the youth. Preach. All right. So we'll, uh, segue out of your growing up years with another song you picked. Uh, this one is unpretty by TLC. First of all, TLC can't go wrong. Great choice. Uh, this song speaks to fighting past the superficial beauty standards that are often put on women. Uh, and so in your words, what made you pick it? Yeah, I have a very distinct memory of being in the car with my mom listening to this song. Um, and I think I was in middle school at the time. So everyone's awkward face um, mm-hmm. and just singing it because I love TLC, but not really understanding the lyrics. And my mom paused the song and was like, I hope you always enjoy this song and what it represents for the rest of your life. And then from that moment on, I really started to listen to the music and the lyrics Mm -hmm. of the song and understand the message they were saying. And yeah, it was beautiful. And you know, as, as a young girl, I was like, wow, like I am pretty, no matter how I think other people might see me. And that's a message that you know, I hope women and girls of all ages can continue to um, feel and live by. So I, that song in general, like it's a classic for sure. Yeah, yeah. We were super, super stoked you list, listed it. And then I, you know, those teenage years, even for guys um, learning to, it might sound cliche, but love yourself on the inside. It's a journey and a great track, great track. All right, so we'll we'll transition to your college years now, uh, starting your professional career. Yeah, so listen to the next track. This one is Black and Yellow by Wiz Khalifa. My engine roaring, it's the big boy. 
boy, you know what I paid for it. And I got the pedal to the metal. Got you niggas checking game. I'm balling out on every level. Hear them haters talk, but there's nothing you could tell them. Just made a million, got another million on my schedule. No love for them, nigga breaking hearts. No keys, push to start. Yeah, uh-huh. you know what it is. That was Black and Yellow by Wiz Khalifa. So uh, when we research the episode, sometimes we get like a little Da Vinci Cody and we like try to think why you pick the songs. So we have a little theory um, and I'll run it by you. You can let me know if we're way off. But uh, we noticed that where you played college at Maryland, the Turpins also had Black and Yellow. And so we were wondering, uh, was this a hype song for your college team? And if we're off on that theory, yeah, just let us let us know why you did choose it. No, you nailed it. That's exactly yes. why. <laughs> we're like on our whiteboard drawing <laughs> That is exactly why. And actually, it's so cool because uh, the year this song came out, a lot of our fall sports teams were dominating. And... Mm. A guy on the football team, his name is AJ Francis. He remixed this track to make it specifically for Maryland sports. And so for the remainder of the season, fall and spring sports, everybody played his version of this track um, before for warmups before every game. So it was like really like our anthem for Maryland sports. It was cool. And that's sick. That's perfect music sports crossover for this show. Uh, shout out to what was his name? AJ Francis. Dang, talented, talented individual. <laughs> um, was that so? You said your sports teams were dominating. I know. You know, when you got to Maryland, that women's soccer program wasn't necessarily dominant. Um, but over the course of your time there, you ended up getting, I think, a number one seed, and you became their first All American player in over a decade. So. What did you do both as a team and individually to improve every year? Yeah, I think uh, my incoming freshman class, there were 13 of us and the class underneath me, there was nine of them. So that those two classes became really the core of, of, you know, that generation where we kind of took the program back up and we had all come from um, really good dominant club teams and we're not used to losing and I think you know just like bringing that mentality of like no matter what you're gonna fight and you're gonna find a way to win uh really started to turn the program around and it was fun I mean nobody likes losing but but just in general being competitive and then getting recognized with a number one seed uh for the tournament is huge and so like that was always our goal and we wanted to make sure that the program grew beyond us so how did how did maryland manage to recruit so many high level you know players from elite club teams if they hadn't been that good at that point did they sell you on a vision that came true or um no i think you know like it's it was appealing to playing the acc the acc at the time was the top conference for women's soccer um and a lot of the other schools in the acc like 
you know, they had done recruiting years ahead. And I think, you know, Mm. Maryland was overlooked because the program wasn't that good. And so a bunch of us who maybe didn't love the culture at the other ACC schools or maybe went, you know, unrecruited by those schools wound up at Maryland together. And in my opinion, the coaches did a really good job of just like finding those like diamond in the roughs or, or, you know, players that were late in the recruiting process. And then, you know, we kind of came together and yeah, all the pieces came together. Well, and then how big of a chip did you all have on your shoulder, maybe being under-recruited, going to a program that's not getting the love they deserve? When you're going up against UNC, were you like, you know what, forget y'all. Yeah, <laughs> who no. They beat, who it, they beat. Yeah. Ab- absolutely. And I'll, I'll never forget, we beat UNC um, my junior year for the first time in program history. And then, Man. yeah, so that was, you know, like, that was like the bam stamp Maryland on the map. Like we've arrived, like we mean business. We, we beat UNC and then uh, my senior night, we played them at home and we beat them again. So like, you know, like the way we were able to build up that program again is something really special to my heart. Yeah. Because like you said, we were, we were kind of the underdogs in the ACC. And then by the time we all graduated, we left where like Maryland was a top school in the ACC. That is awesome. Flipping back to the music side a bit, so I alluded to this before, but I believe you were part of the Tri-M Music Honor Society, which means that in addition to, correct me if I'm wrong, double majoring in English and bio, you were also taking music classes and doing really well in them in order to get that honor. So how in the world were you able to stay afloat juggling soccer, (laughs) academics, and music? (laughs) I didn't sleep much in college, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think, you know, there's things I'm all passionate about, uh, soccer and music. And I, yeah, I'm a nerd. I love to study. And so it didn't seem difficult at the time. I don't think I could do any of that now. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, when you're driven by your passion, certain suddenly the the workload, you know, doesn't really become as relevant. Uh, Words of wisdom for everybody for sure. Okay. So you picked two other songs for this section. One is Moment for Life by Nick Minaj, which shout out, that was a great track. The other is Pursuit of Happiness by Kid Cudi, which I sort of immediately highlighted because if I had an Athletes Playlist episode for myself, I think that song would honestly be on my list. I love the way that it, in my opinion, blends sort of both the good, but then also maybe the darker side of relentlessly trying to chase your dreams. That's just my read of it, though. And I think one of the cool things about the song is it's a little bit open-ended and how it can be interpreted. So for you, what made you resonate with it at that time yeah I think I picked that song because uh it really fits like this weird transition phase I had from college into the pros so um I had gotten drafted in that 2012 draft to the women's professional soccer like the WPS that yeah yeah so I got drafted and then three weeks later it folded and I had withdrew from school because I'm like, I'm going to the league. <laughs> yeah. And then um, when it folded, I couldn't get back into school because I had missed the re-enrollment deadline. So I had to come home and I was like, I don't know what am I going to do? Am I going to finish my degree? Am I going to try and pers- pursue being a professional? Um, and yeah, like you said, I mean, it's kind of like this relentless chase for your dream. And, and not everybody sees those dark low points, you know, yeah. but... Kid Cuddy speaks to it perfectly. He does. He does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that was, yeah, we were actually wondering, you know, if that song was uh, tied to that 
event with the league and we were reading about that and you know that it's one thing if your personal dream can't happen but then also i mean that event had a lot to do with women's soccer and it it was not a it was an obstacle for all women's soccer when that league folded so at that time i mean what were you thinking were you thinking like i'm gonna have to go abroad like women's soccer may never happen in the u.s or were you confident the league would come back how were you what were your thoughts on all that yeah i for sure was not confident the league would come back i mean before that we hadn't had a league since i was like 10 11 years old uh wusa Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and that took a decade to come back over a decade i think to come back um so i i had no faith that it was coming back honestly and i thought about overseas but i had never gone overseas for an extended period of time so that whole concept seemed foreign to me and not, not something that i don't think i really wanted to do right off the bat um and so really i was it, it's such such a weird time because then I couldn't yeah. even finish my degree. I, I really just didn't know what I wanted to do. I was right. kind of, you know, really like just in a confused state as far as my future was concerned. Tell me what you know about dreaming, dreaming. You don't really know about nothing, nothing. Tell me what you know about the night terrors every night. was Pursuit of Happiness by Kid Cudi. We're going to transition to the start of your professional career. We'll kick this section off with Empire State of Mind by Jay-Z. That was Jay-Z's New York anthem, Empire State of Mind. As a fellow New Yorker, what made you pick that song? And do you feel like that Empire State of Mind is something that you had to channel in order to grind your way through some of the ups and downs that we just alluded to, um, to starting your career? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I had to pick this song because this is about when I started to travel a lot and have Mm -hmm. to try out for different teams. And uh, I know everybody says like, New Yorkers can be tough and like kind of hard people, but like I, I really kept that uh, personality trait close to home because I really had to prove myself time and a time, time and time again um, as I was going through all these phases. Uh, especially right when the NWSL came back, I, I was picked up in the supplemental draft and 
went to Boston for the first part of preseason and I got cut from there and I had to drive down from Boston to DC to try on that out at the spirit and then up to sky blue. And every time I got in the road, I kid you not to transition between teams, that song came on the radio. And it was just like a reminder, like, listen, you're from New York. You've been through tough situations. You can just grind it out, keep chasing your dream and you'll get there. And you ended up, uh, I think if I remember correctly from what I'm reading, when you did land that, uh, spot, you were the last roster spot, correct? Yep, the last and roster now we're spot. Talking to you about, I think, what is it, eight or 10 years into your career? Eight, it will be nine next season. Yeah, that's amazing. So that New York State of Mind served you well. Uh, so, speaking of that time in your life when you were kind of trying to make your way as a pro, um, before the NWSL, we were reading, you ended up if, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but you finished your degree studying abroad in Denmark. And then while in Denmark, you played for a team called Brundby IF. And uh, there's this weird dash going through the O. So you're <laughs> going to have to really help me on the pronunciation. But we're just curious, you know, you were playing in Champions League over there. Uh, like you said, a transition time in your life. So what was that, although brief, what was that experience life yeah that was incredible uh it's i'm gonna butcher this as well all my danish has gone out the window <laughs> um but it's pronounced bromboot the why yeah the why's are like use over there which i kind of yeah it was difficult um thank you for dropping that that's <laughs> good definitely a tricky language um but yeah so Back to what I was saying about that, you know, tough transition phase, I had heard from a couple of people that studying abroad was like an amazing experience. And I was really at the time anti going back to Maryland because I, I felt like a failure, to be mm. honest, like got drafted, pulled, uh, pulled myself out of school and then had to go back and have people be like, why are you here? We mm -hmm. thought you were going to be pro. Um and so I decided to study abroad and I was a biology major. So the only place I could go to finish the necessary credits was Denmark. I didn't even know where it was on a map, <laughs> <Wow>. honestly. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, while I was there, I was, I played on like our school team, which is very European. So the school is not really the school team. It's like their division four, you know, team. And so I was playing on that team and then uh, somebody saw me playing and they're like, oh, you're too good for this league. Like come to our league. And then I, I literally worked my ways up from four, three, two to the first division team. Wow. The coach saw me um, try it out with that team and then made that team. And yeah, then got to play in champions league and, that was one of the best experiences of my life. It was my first time living abroad, um, and it was incredible. How big of a confidence boost was that for you? I mean, it sounds like you weren't even aiming for that top division when you got there, and then to be like, oh, you know what, I really am at this level. Yeah, absolutely. I I joined the school team because I just wanted to keep playing, yeah. you know? And then um, I remember I, I had a little flip phone for my uh, Danish phone and it was ringing one day from obviously a number I didn't recognize and I answered it and it happened to be the coach of that division one team saying like we've seen you play we really want you to come out and I was like wow like I have nothing to yeah. lose you know if, if I'm not good enough well I'll go back to the school team and just keep playing for fun um, and then when I made it yeah it was like okay like I'm not done pursuing my career as a professional like this is what I want to be doing. So then when you come back to the States and the NWSL is forming, 
How difficult is it to make a pro league? Not when you're, you're not just competing against everyone coming out of your college class. You're maybe competing against the entire pool of professional soccer players in the U.S. You haven't played necessarily at that level in the U.S. yet. Plus, there's, you know, about a third of the pro teams in, you know, NWSL compared to MLS. I could go on and on the list of the numbers don't seem great. So how much pressure does that um, add to the situation? Oh, yeah, it it was hard. It was a shock. I'm, I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. It was it was difficult. Uh, it was difficult to make the roster. And then it was difficult to perform. And, you know, I tell everybody who's going to be a rookie coming into the NWSL, like, it is just another level, the speed of play, the physicality, like the technical ability, like it's really world-class. Um, and there's nothing really that can comp- prepare you for that uh, until you get out there and do it. Um, so I had a learning curve for sure. I'm glad you mentioned, you know, speed of play and technical ability. We didn't write this down as a question, but it's just occurring to me. You know, one of the really fun things to me about watching NWSL is how international of a league it is. So when you have, you know, Japanese internationals you're playing with or against, just to use an example, I mean, that team, when I watch them play, the technicality is like out of this world. So what is that like to mix it up, you know, with these different styles and everything like that? Yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, I've I've shared the field with, you know, World Cup winners, Olympic yeah. winners and and like you said, not all American players. Uh Naho Kawasumi, when I first came to Seattle, was like another class of player that like I like blew my mind. And so just being able to train with her and and just learn from her has has really been incredible and and added to my game, yeah. you know. It's like forced me to be a better player because I need to be on her level if I'm going to get on the field with her. So, yeah. And speaking of the global aspect of uh, the women's game during the off season, uh, you play in Australia, you started off playing with Sydney FC and you played for a couple teams there. Um, and for listeners who may not know, that's pretty common in the women's game. Uh, athletes will go abroad during the off season to supplement their income. And so we were just thinking about that experience and what's it like bouncing between two countries. And then is it ever weird? Because I imagine sometimes your teammate in one country and season becomes your rival in the next season. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think the perfect example of that is Sam Kerr. The first year I went to Australia, she was my teammate. And I mean, I loved playing with Sam. And then when I went over to Sydney, she went to her home team, Perth, and I hated (laughs) playing against Sam. Um, And I love her. She's one of my really good friends. But man, oh, she is a pain. (laughs) What? You know, I don't mean to I don't mean to stir beef here, but I'm curious. I did I was listening to your episode on Kathy and Valkyries, which shout out amazing show. Um and you said something that really resonated with me. Um again, we're both kind of smaller technical players within our level, and you're like, I don't mind going against good defenders. I just don't want to go against clumsy defenders. And I was like, spoken straight to my soul. <laughs> Some of the um, adult rec leads. The yeah, when level you play, of clumsiness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's dangerous out there. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe Sam wasn't that type of way as a, as a player, I guess. Just can you speak to that whole notion? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, 
<laughs> the clumsy defender is <laughs> like my my arch nemesis <laughs> i think because yeah you know I'm, I'm small i'm quick and i'm shifty and like i don't mind if you stand me up and you get stuck in like respect i'm gonna keep coming right. at you but like that that battle is great but the clumsy defender who's just coming in all late and <laughs> and reckless i'm like oh like i'm getting hit play after play and you know it's not their fault it's just <laughs> they can't help it bless their heart they were born this way yes, they're doing the best heart. they can <laughs> but oh yeah that 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 annoys me <laughs> do you ever get into it with them or is it better for your game to both physically and emotionally keep your distance um I don't really think I get into it with any players. If anything, that's when I start going out at the ref, Mm -hmm. which is definitely not also a good (laughs) thing to do. Um, My mom was laughing at me the other day. She was like, all your yellow cards, I think they've all come from dissent, like yelling back at the ref. And I'm like, yeah, you might be right. Um, Because it's part of the game, you know? Like, I could take a hit, but eight, nine, ten, like, you got to start pulling cards, you know? Don't you worry, I'll soon be around Because the world is our playground Everywhere in the world is our playground That was World is Our Playground by DJ Vice. We're going to segue to your most recent years in the pros with Brown Skin Girl by Beyonce. Here it is. From your nappy curls to every single curve, your body natural. Same skin that was broken, me the same skin taking over. Most things are the focus, few, but when you're in the room, they notice you. Cause you're beautiful. Yeah, you're beautiful. Them and them gon' fall in love with you and all of your glory. that was uh brown skin girl by beyonce awesome song i you know like anyone with a pulse i love beyonce but i actually haven't heard that one so thanks for turning me on to it and of course it has a really powerful message so with all that's going on in the world and the fight for racial justice which in light of recent events i think is on the forefront of a lot of people's minds uh how does that song resonate for you right now yeah definitely i think you said it i actually started playing it i think it came out last summer around when the new Lion King came out and that was like at the heart of my rehab. Mm. And I used to play it every morning when I was trying to bend my knee and just like 
it's just like so powerful and uplifting. And, you know, I wasn't doing anything particularly strenuous, but it was just like putting me in a state of mind where like I could believe in myself and this part of my journey that I was on. And and then, yeah, I've put it back in rotation this year with, you know, everything that's going on and our pursuit for racial equality. So it's, it's great. Yeah, that's incredible. I wanted to ask, you know, women's soccer and women's sports in general, it so often finds itself in the middle of many different fights for equality, whether it's gender, LGBTQ, or race. How do you find the balance between fighting for what you believe in, but, you know, still finding joy in the game, which is, I'm sure, what brought you to the game? Yeah, I think, you know, the beauty of women's sports in America is that, like, so many of us come from different backgrounds, and our teams are made up of all different types of people. And so we already have that camaraderie and respect for one another on the field. So then it becomes easier to speak out and, and pursue equality because, you know, those are our genuine feelings. Like I, I love my teammates regardless of their race, gender that they identify as where they come from. And of course I'm going to try and fight so that, you know, we have the same rights. And I think between us and the WNBA, you know, that's why we feel really passionate about leading the way because, you know, this, our, this is what our teams look like. Yeah. I love that. Cause it, you know, it's framed from a place of, of love with, with your guys, you know, you're sharing your love for each other out. I think that's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, another moment we wanted to ask you about in your career, uh, when we were researching is so 2016, you're playing for Orlando pride when the pulse nightclub shooting happened. And, at the time, I'm sure most everyone will remember that was the largest mass shooting in U.S. history. And so, of course, super emotional for the community and for the team coming that back from that. And uh, first home match back, it goes into overtime and you actually scored the game winning goal. And it was a really healing, powerful moment for the team and the community. And I was getting goosebumps just reading about it. So wanted to ask you about it and what that experience was like. Yeah, that I, I just got goosebumps, actually, as you were talking about it. Um, I will never forget that moment, honestly. Um, Orlando's a small city, um, and it's definitely becoming more and more progressive in, in recent years. And um, when the Pulse shooting happened, you know, our club was probably one of the biggest staples outside of, you know, the theme parks and the magic. Um, in the community. And so we Mm -hmm. all felt um, an immediate need to kind of get out there, boots on the ground and kind of help mend the community. And uh, in that year, our game attendance was huge. So I I think that game, you know, coming back, a lot of people went out to just watch the game to for healing and just come together. Like there's been so much trauma, like let's go to a game and have fun. And to score that goal and watch the crowd erupt with with pure joy. Like didn't matter what was going on outside of the stadium to be a part of that moment inside was, was incredible. Um, and something I'll never forget. Where does it rank for amongst the many goals you scored? (laughs) If you've had to rank one, I think it's number one. I would say when I scored in the semifinal, that was also mm. incredible, especially being from Seattle, scoring in Portland. But we then lost that game, so I can't, right. I can't put it number one on my list. I refuse. Yeah, and score. I never came close to the levels you reached, but 
I, I score. There's no thrill quite like scoring a goal. And, you know, to me, that's one of the most beautiful parts about soccer is, you know, there might only be one goal the whole game. And so it's, you know, and with all that going on in the background, I, I can't imagine that must have just been incredible. We want to also be sure to talk about your apparel company, Jazz It Up. We were on your website, super impressed by both the clothes, but also the mission. Can you just share a little more about that project? Yeah, sure. So, you know, as you guys said, Jazz It Up, it's a sustainable lifestyle brand. Um, I started it about four years ago now. Started just as kind of custom headbands as I always wear some funky yeah. headband when I'm playing. Um, and then last year when I was hurt, I had more time on my hands and I'm really passionate about the environment and, you know, just kind of making the world in general a better place. So I thought, you know what, like I have a good platform, Jazz It Up's doing well. Let me combine the two and just like see how big of a reach I can make. And um, it's been doing well so far. And I'm really excited because it's just really an extension of myself and another chance to kind of educate and inspire people to lead, you know, a socially aware and, and, eco-friendly lifestyle nice and obviously you have a lot of creative tendencies as well with the music and everything so how how involved do you get with the design of this stuff yeah so I am doing all the designs myself like what do I like to wear let me put a little spin on it um my sister-in-law her full-time job is in the fashion industry so she does a lot of consulting for me as far as product development um and sales go Um, So it's been really fun working and learning, you know, the ins and outs of the industry with her. But yeah, it's been really cool. And like you said, just another way for me to channel my creative side. Love it. Um, Do you have a website URL you can plug real quick? Yeah. So it's jazzitupofficial.com. Jazzitupofficial.com. Definitely check it out. Left turn here really quick. One song that we're not going to have time to play again, but that I'm like, okay, I have to ask about this because it's a little bit of a left turn in terms of where it came, when it came out is Mama Said Knock You Out by LL Cool J. Of course, legendary track, sort of more on that hype track thing again. But why for this time in your life? Yeah, that has everything to do with uh, my knee injury. Uh, I loved that song my whole life. Like when I had my Sweet 16, which is like really big on Long Island to have a big Sweet 16 party, um, and you, you designate your 16 candles to your loved ones. Like I gave my mom that song for her candle because she's just uh-huh. like a boss. Um, but also, yeah, it was just like pumping me up. The first lines in that LL is like, don't call it a comeback. I've been here yeah. for years. And I was like, yes, like that is that is my journey for sure. Like I'm coming back. And yeah, don't call it a comeback because everybody has known, you know, what I can do in this league and I'm coming right back where I left off. That is amazing. I'm a little disappointed, actually, in our Da Vinci Code skills that I didn't pick that one up with the (laughs) knee injury. But that is perfect. So uh, get him. You know, you just talked about your knee injury and that was two seasons ago. And then, of course, this most recent season got pretty thrown off with COVID, although you guys did have some really fun cool games that you got in there. Um, So what are your goals individually and as a team for next season? Yeah, for sure. So um, my individual goals are to just be better than I was the year before, you know, score some more goals, put my name up in contention for the best 11. um, And then team goal is always to win a championship. I've been Mm -hmm. so close (laughs) so many times. (laughs) 
and I just want to lift the trophy. <laughs> hey, we we want it too in Seattle, so we will be definitely yeah. And the basketball team just won, right? Mm-hmm. That's true. Right. I mean, the basketball team's setting a high bar for yeah. sure. They are. <laughs> I think the rain can get there. Um, last but not least, we're gonna end this episode with "Girl on Fire" by Alicia Keys. This song to me felt like a perfect way to sum up your career, where you've proved once and you know time and time again to be unstoppable. So it's also the second time Alicia Keys has made an appearance on the show since she's featured in the Jay-Z track. Can you speak to how her music in general has influenced your journey? Yeah, I love Alicia Keys. Also, like a lot of my music on this list has been New York heavy, so you can tell I'm a proud New Yorker. Um, (laughs) But, (laughs) sorry. No, all good. Um, But... Yeah, I love her. I love everything she stands for. Uh, she's an icon. And yeah, I just love that she continues to to bless us with amazing songs. Beautiful. Well, Jazz, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey with us. We can't wait to watch you play again soon. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. <laughs>